Welcome to season two of the WAN Manager podcast. I am your host, Greg Bryan, and we are here to discuss everything WAN, whether it's from the vendor perspective, the end user perspective, the carrier perspective, and of course, uh, analysts, my colleagues at Telegeography, taking a dive on some data that we have collected that is relevant to all of those different roles within the WAN marketplace. So we started this uh, podcast last year in the midst of lockdowns as a way to connect uh, in ways that we could not because we were missing out on conferences and the like. Uh, But we had fun, so I think we're going to keep going for a season two here. Hopefully we do get to see some of you uh, that are listening at a conference, maybe a WAN Summit later on this year in 2021. Um, So the first episode here in season two is going to be with Amir Zamora from FlexiWAN, who really have a a unique approach to SD-WAN that we're going to get to in just a couple of minutes um, that that I think is is, uh, worth considering. Um, simply because, if for no other reason, that it uh, it is a new approach to a space that is, you know, getting fairly crowded out there. Um, so with that in mind, I like to start out all of these episodes with uh, just a few data points. But I thought first I'd start with just uh, saying that we have in our SD-WAN research service, um, which is currently being updated. So I'm referring to fairly old data here, but we profile over 70 SD-WAN providers. Um, so just to keep that in mind, that it is it is indeed a somewhat uh, crowded space. I think I mentioned that during the interview, but uh, we, we do have over 70 providers in our database. That did go down slightly in 2020. There are some notable uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, you had uh, Cloudgenics um, uh, get acquired by Palo Alto Networks. Martello Technologies uh, from Adaptive Networks, HPE, picked up Silverpeak, and Juniper picked up 128 Technologies. That follows some trends from previous years like uh, Viptela, Cisco, VeloCloud, VMware of, you know, kind of larger equipment vendors or SIs picking up some of these uh, startup SD-WAN uh, companies. So I think we're going to see more of that in 2021. It's going to be less than 70 um, uh, not too long from now. Uh, but also, I want to think about um, how the end users have been acquiring SD-WAN. We're, we're also currently analyzing new data from our WAN manager survey. So this is a little new. It'll be out uh, probably um, early quarter two of, of this year. But um, so far, we see about two in five of our respondents have already adopted SD-WAN. Another one in three are in the process of rolling it out. So something like a majority of the market, um, or at least uh, the the slice of the market that we talk to, maybe it's a little bit more um, uh, forward thinking or um, uh, on the bleeding edge than than the larger market. But a, a good chunk of the market is is going to have some kind of SD WAN installed. Um, uh, but then there's there's still a lot of folks out there that need to select a provider um, and need to think about even if you already have selected a provider, um, how SD WAN is integrating. Um, with other features uh, like security, monitoring, et cetera. Uh, then the, just the other thing I'll mention really quick, uh, Amir and I in the interview do get into a little bit of talk about their pricing model. And I thought I would just review how we cover pricing in our SD-WAN uh, research service. 
we cover it very much like the telcos do with, uh, you know, your MPLS or DAA kind of service and NRC, non-recurring charge, MRC, the NRC covering, you know, just the the upfront costs of the appliance or the software um, uh, connecting to a controller. And then the MRC, that ongoing charge for software. Uh, and the key core thing is the uh, total encrypted bandwidth throughput at that office. So you have 50 megs of DIA, 50 megs of MPLS at that site. Then you have 100 megs of SD-WAN, and that's how you get charged for your SD-WAN service. At that uh, maybe typical size, 100 megs, the, the, you know, the median price is pretty low, uh, maybe compared to some telecom services, $125 a month, uh, um, GIGI, $362 a month. The NRCs are maybe uh, kind of higher, uh, $1,000 a month for, or excuse me, $1,000 period, not a month for uh, um, your 100 meg, 2500 for your gig E. But just to throw that out there as, as a thing to have in the back of your mind of, of what that model looks like and kind of what general pricing levels we're talking about, then certainly you can have, uh, you know, uh, charges added on for um, advanced features, firewalls, monitoring, that sort of thing. But but that's the, the, the core way that vendors are presenting it to the market. Okay, so with that, let's get on to hear about uh, the open source model from FlexiWin. Okay, with that introduction, I'd like to say uh, welcome, Amir. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and you know we're we're going to take obviously a deep dive into what is FlexiWAN throughout uh, th this entire episode. Um, but I thought maybe first it would be useful just to get your background, sort of where you come from in in the telecom industry, uh, how how you ended up uh, starting FlexiWAN. Sure. Thank you. So actually, my background is coming from voice over IP. Uh, after finishing my uh, days of doing development R&D, I uh, started working for Radvision, which in the days that it was still a startup before uh, IPO, and mm -hmm. uh, stayed there for many years, uh, eventually being VP products for the technology business unit there, uh, going through the acquisition by Avaya. And then I left the company after like a year and a half started another startup that was doing uh, technology for large-scale video broadcasting in the browser using WebRTC mm. technology, which was mm -hmm. later acquired by a company from New York with 40 million consumer users. Technology is working still very well there. And that was, that was a bootstrap. So yeah. I did consultancy as well <laughs> to make a living. Mm -hmm. And through that, I got into SD-WAN at the early days of SD-WAN, and it gave me a great opportunity to speak with many service providers, big and med medium size. And mm -hmm. the comment I heard from all of them was actually the reason for starting FlexiWAN. The comment was basically, we simply resell a vendor, we have no way to differentiate. And, and I'll be happy to explain more about that later. But mm -hmm. that got me thinking, and of, you know, how can we make this different? How can we do something different there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 
you know, in a way, you're you're one of uh, the the folks in the industry that that we might call serial entrepreneurs, always kind of trying to find um, uh, what new thing can be done. But but I will admit, right? So whenever I hear nowadays about a new entrant to the SD WAN market, there's um, uh, we we profile I don't know seventy some odd uh, SD WAN providers. Depends on what you mean by SD WAN, how many are actually out there. But it's it's not an uncrowded market. I think everyone would agree to that. Um, and and that's you know one reason I really wanted to to get you on and, and talk about this is is to understand sort of why you entered that market and and how uh, FlexiWAN is different. I mean, we have open source. Um, th- there's a lot of SD WAN pro- providers that have an open platform, if you will, working on a, a white box or x86. Um, but I thought it would be interesting to start there with with what is open source SD-WAN and, and how is that different from from everything that we see out there that you were responding to based on, on these uh, customer interactions? Yeah, so first I will say that fully agree. Today there are something between 60 to 70 SD-WAN, let's call them vendors or providers, whatever, uh, or mm-hmm. they see themselves as such. And when we started FlexiWAN, there were probably around 50. So it doesn't really matter. It was a crowded market already then. So I said, you know, there's no point getting into this market unless we can do something that is significantly different. So we try to do everything different. I'll get to that in just a second. Sure. Yeah. So, so when we talk about open platforms, and you mentioned running on x86 white box. So this from my point of view, is not yet open. Because, yeah, so so they don't dictate which hardware device to use, but still mm-hmm. the solutions that are being provided today by all of the SD-WAN vendors are using some open source elements inside them, but at the end of the day, they are providing a closed product, meaning it's closed source, and mm-hmm. more it's closed from technology perspective. Okay, and, and I'll say a bit more about this. If mm-hmm. you look at the SD-WAN solutions that they offer, what they try to do is to lock you in for a single vendor type of solution where they bundle as many technologies and capabilities into one very big software box. You know, things like DPI, yeah. WAN optimization, stuff like that. Okay. And you mean one SD-WAN vendor, regardless of whether you're getting it from a vendor or managed service provider carrier, um, just a, one one solution stacked basically together. I'm first of all referring to the vendor solution itself that then Mm -hmm. is being used by the service provider. And you know, if you look at what the service providers do, the strategy of many of them is to simply resell multiple vendors. Okay. Because they don't have any way to differentiate. So you look at the big Mm -hmm. service providers, even medium size, they have more than one SD-WAN vendor on their network. Uh, which sounds very strange, <laughs> okay? Right, it's not right, because right. of a second source, by the way. It's not because of a second source. It's because of a trying to answer as many enterprise needs as possible. So, so if you go, right. so if, if your customer has, you know, uh, you know, th- th- they give you the profile of their network, the profile of the features that they want, rather than give them different features, you give them a different vendor. Is that exactly. Sort of- and then what happens if the requirements change? What do you do? You change the vendor. That's not so right. easy. To do. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, so what I'm saying here is, when you look at this big software box, it has capabilities, as I mentioned, like DPI, WAN optimization, and stuff like that. But you know why or who said? that you as an enterprise, or even let's say as a service provider, need to get all of these technologies 
from one single vendor instead of being able to select by yourself which elements you, you even want, because sometimes you don't need all of these features. And mm -hmm. if you decided that you want a specific capability from which vendor you're going to take it, why is it dictated by the vendor that many times actually sub-licenses? And, and by the way, I believe that all of them are, you know, including the very, very big ones without saying names, have sure. some elements that are sub-licensed. So why mm -hmm. do they decide for the service provider, which, let's say, for example, DPI engine should run inside? Or should there be DPI at all or not? Because DPI takes a lot of, of resources, you know, hardware mm -hmm. and also costs money. So, so that's a problem that uh, I can talk a bit later after how we, how we solve it. But that's a problem mm -hmm. that the service providers have. And, and, you know, once on a panel in a conference, we had several service providers, some of them tier ones. And the question was uh, that I asked them as a moderator, uh, how do you as a service provider differentiate an SD-WAN? And all of them talked about things like 24 by 7 support, bundling mm -hmm. of services like, you know, uh, connectivity together with SD-WAN, stuff like that. So I asked, but how do you differentiate in the SD-WAN itself? And they all said, well, this we cannot do. Right, because they're giving a, a certain set of features, and they have selected certain partners. So, you, you know, actually, let's let's get to that part, maybe, um, which is that uh, if if you're saying, okay, you gave the example of of DPI, I'm I'm a, an end user, maybe, and I have um, you know this particular uh, software vendor in mind for for my DPI service. Can they use FlexiWAN and bring any kind of um, alternative sort of uh, software in that they like, or are you still um, uh, locked in with with certain vendors or or partners in that sense? Okay, so so for that, I need to uh, in, in a few words expl explain the unique part of what we do. So first of all, yeah, FlexiWAN. Uh, you know, I always say we disrupt and democratize the SD WAN market, and we do mm -hmm. that with what we call the uh, three world firsts of FlexiWAN. So first of all, we're the first and only open source SD-WAN. Second, and meaning a complete SD-WAN solution, you can go take the open source compiler and use it under the mm -hmm. license of mm -hmm. the open source. There are only two elements that we don't have as open source. One is our billing engine, which is used in our SaaS model uh, service. And second is the UI layer only, but you can use the REST APIs of the management to build your UI. So the mm -hmm. second part, the second uh, first is we are the first and only application store for networking and SD-WAN. And I'll mm -hmm. talk about them in just a minute. That's the differentiation mm -hmm. that allows you to bring more technologies in. And the mm -hmm. third one is that we are the first SaaS business model company. And if you want to talk about pricing, no problem to touch that later. Uh, right, right. So, so now what exactly, to, relating to your question. What we do, we slice SD-WAN to horizontal layers. We have the networking infrastructure, which is I, would, I always call the base layer, which are those mm -hmm. IPsec tunnels that connect between sites, connect them to the cloud, centrally managed with all the routing protocols, zero-touch provisioning, and many, many things. It's a big layer. We started working on it on the beginning of the company in 2018. We're still working on it today, and we'll continue working on it for the next few years. There will be always... And including a lot of those things that are... 
yeah. core Never... core SD WAN technologies, right? So that like yeah, the uh, sine qua non of SD WAN, if you will. Yeah, yeah, the, that's the net the infrastructure. But on top of that, mm-hmm. we have what we call the application framework, and this is what allows mm-hmm. you through an SDK to dynamically load applications that run in the data flow of the router or in the management. Okay, so so this means that you can if if you want to visualize to yourself the enterprise requirements, okay? They can be like a line that you draw between two extreme requirements. One is the simplified option of just the infrastructure, networking, connectivity, okay? The tunnels between the sites, management. IPsec, right? Yeah, that's it, exactly, exactly. IPsec, centrally managed. All the way to the full-featured solution with all of the bells, well, all the bells and whistles of SD-WAN, if you put together everything from all the vendors, okay? Mm-hmm. The reality as ne- is never at these extreme cases. It's always somewhere in between, but it's never at the same place. It's never one size fits all. And you can even think of a retail inside the enterprise. They would have different requirements for a store versus a large office. So how do you support it with a single vendor while being mm-hmm. cost effective? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So not just for for that customer's need, but even sort of on a, a an office by office scale for for within that customer's network, what the different yeah. needs are. You might have different needs, exactly. Mm-hmm. So so that's the that's the architecture, the the very high level architecture of our solution. And then this means that we FlexiWan are adding capabilities as applications that you can take in or leave them out. But mm-hmm. you, let's say, as a ver- as a as an enter- as a service provider that has R and D capabilities, or maybe as a big enterprise, or just as a company, a software vendor that has expertise in WAN optimization, as an example, or in monitoring, whatever you want, okay, or DPI uh, for your question, you would mm-hmm. build uh, or integrate your solution as an application that would be dynamically loaded through our application store, and this mm-hmm. means that. We are not limiting who would run on our system, but on the other hand, we do have the requirement of testing things. Okay, so we would not mm-hmm. want anybody right, to right, get sure. any application, mm-hmm. and then things yeah. would just break. Yeah. Okay, right. so so it's not you know open in the sense that anybody who wants you know there's a complete mess. Anybody can put an application. Anybody can take it. No, we want mm-hmm. everything to be tested. Today we're still in the state that we need to actually do the final integration of the application into the system. But that will change uh, probably uh, in 2021, and we will enable others to do it through the SDK. But if you would want to use it on our SaaS system, we would want to, first of all, test that it works with our system. Of course. Right. So so by way of analogy, on my smartphone, I have the option of downloading Dropbox or Google Drive or Microsoft OneDrive or whatever. But of course, their developers have to work with the the uh, Apple Store and, and make sure that everything uh, functions properly and all that. Does, does that, does that work as that, an analogy? Yes. The, the only difference is that one, the amount of applications will be significantly less. Uh, of course. One. Of course. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Second, the level of testing that is required here is higher much higher because because you Mm -hmm. don't have the sandbox that you can have at least on an ios device and android it's a bit less than that but you don't have the sandbox Mm -hmm. thing that you have in in that operating system so because there is relationship between applications so we would want to test much more thoroughly 
but the amount of applications is significantly less. So it's uh, still possible technically. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I think you've touched on this, but just to be really clear for everybody in the audience of different technical levels and all that sort of thing. And and I should say, I'm I'm a market guy more than a technical guy, but, um, but, you know, how does this really differ in that sense from you have your full featured SD-WAN service, but they give you the option of using various VNFs, um, you know, sort of what's, uh, what's different about that uh, here? Okay, good. So, so actually, maybe I should have mentioned that before, um, because I mentioned the fact that you can run these applications, or not you can, these applications run in the data flow of the router as part of the forwarding graph. And that's very different from a VNF. In, v, in the case of a VNF, and we support that option as well, we actually have integrations with several uh, companies that uh, do control and management of VNFs, like uh, INEA, ADVA, RAD. But um, in that case, what you have is an independent, uh, let's say, uh, representation of the, of the operating system. Okay, each one of these VNFs is a VM with the operating system. It's a full stack. Okay, so mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it's great for some cases, not for everything. There are some applications that you would prefer for efficiency to run inside the data flow because if it's mm-hmm. touching, let's say, as an example, Packet by packet, you don't want the traffic to go out of the VNF and coming back in. That's one thing. And second thing, sometimes you want just some additional functionality, not a full, you know, very, very big application, but some uh, networking capabilities, and you still want to run bare metal, okay? With this capability, you can remain in the bare metal level, but still have the dynamic capabilities and less overhead and simplicity, okay? So we support both options. Actually, we, we have deployments also in the VNF uh, architecture. And, you know, the, the reality is that every company and every service provider has different requirements. It's never a single solution that takes the market by storm. And yep. so this is great for some of the uh, cases and, you know, we can talk further about, uh, you know, go to market and the strategy that we have from a customer segment perspective. And I can touch that uh-huh. all over there. Yeah, well, let's do that now, because I, I think that's, you know, sort of where I was going with, um, with uh, you know, looking at if, if I'm a service provider, sort of, um, uh, you know, why do I want to do this? What's your go-to-market strategy? And and we'll couch this in there. Maybe you can hit this later on. But, um, uh, you know, what about, direct to enterprise, the end users, how, how is all of this uh, sort of being presented uh, to the market? Okay, so to start off, I would say that we are an open source company uh, that uses the technology that we have built in order to provide a SaaS service. So our management is being hosted by us on AWS. Actually, we offer three options mm-hmm. to the customer. One a customer can come to our website and we're unique in the fact that you can see our pricing on the website. There is actually a pricing page unheard of in the networking space. Yes. You yes. actually have the real pricing, not just contact us for pricing. Yeah, I should say <laughs> that, you know, and that's, um, that's always scary to us at Telegeography because uh, we, we track pricing, but uh, okay, I, don't, so. I don't think, yeah, I don't think you'll fit neatly into our model. I mean, you know, most, most of the SD-WAN vendors we see out there have uh, you know, your your install charge, your, um, you know, monthly charge based on your encrypted yeah. throughput, maybe some some upcharges based on 
your level of management, uh, but your model sounds very significantly different. Than yeah. That. So, you know, if we'll have time, I'll be happy to touch that as well. And what, mm-hmm. what was our reasoning for, for what we, the, the way we price it? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's not by chance. So you go to our pricing page and you click a button to open a free account. And then you are opening an account on our, what we call our shared environment. So you're there together with many other companies on a multi-tenant, completely isolated uh, mm-hmm. network of your own. And you can have up to three software or flexi edge, what we call them, instances for free that you install on a VM or on a physical mm-hmm. box that you have. And then you can kick mm-hmm. the tires, play around in the system, do a POC, or we have some very small companies who have only three sites and they're using us for free. Okay. And you want more? You you can kick off your your, uh, proof of concept just on your own going to the website. Or if you're really small, you can just use this as kind of uh, freemium kind of stuff. Okay, gotcha. We have have some that started with a free because you started with three uh, sites and then increased. But we have more than 1,500 accounts already on our SaaS Mm. system. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. That's something we achieved. Um, right. So that's the first option. The second option is a dedicated environment. In this case, what we do, we spin up a complete isolated white label environment for the customer on AWS. And our account, we take care of all the hosting. It's many, many servers, two clusters of databases and everything. But they can manage in a much better way things like the software upgrade timing and, and a lot of decisions that they can make and put their branding there, of course. And then we have the third option of self-hosting, which... Uh, of course, means that they install by themselves. In the first two ones, I've just finished there. It's mm-hmm. a pay as you go. You do not commit. You can stop at any time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Very different. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. This episode of the WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography's free SD WAN vendor guide. So if you've searched for an SD-WAN vendor, and I know many of you listening to this have or uh, will be soon or or should be already, uh, you know that it takes a crazy amount of research. And that is where we come in. So we extracted vendor profiles from our very thorough SD-WAN research service, and we turned them into this handy free guide. We threw in additional insights on SD-WAN trends as well. So it's really a one-stop shop for all things SD-WAN vendor info. You can download the PDF, search the listings, and bone up on your SD-WAN trends. Super easy. All you have to do is click the link in our show notes to get your copy. Yeah, just just a quick follow up on that. Just when if so, if you're doing all of this through AWS, so so you don't need like a sort of um, uh, controller environment out there in the world. If uh, so, from a geography perspective, we love to talk about that at Telegeography. A customer is going to be um, you know interacting with you uh, anywhere where they can get uh, to to AWS, who of course has cloud regions and on ramps all over the world, so that. Um, you're, you're unlimited geographically, I assume. Then, yeah, it's uh, and you know, at the end of the day, it's the management system. The traffic mm-hmm. does not go through the management. Uh, we do right, have we right. do have the option to install the edge device on AWS. We support that. We have some customers who have done that, uh, yeah. or in your own private cloud, you can install Flexi Edge. But that's of course something that you would host by yourself as the customer and take care of the bandwidth if you decided uh, to put it there. 
okay but you can put it in any cloud that you want the, the edge device yeah so 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 that's about that and you you asked about the segments and and what do a service, yes, what does a service exactly. provider do with it so right one of the pain points that the service providers have is how to service the long tail of the market you see sdn going to mm. a lot yeah. of multinational big companies and you see all kind of prs you know large deployments of very very big companies but the right. gap that many service providers told us about is how do they serve a small company with only five, six, seven sites? How do right. they serve right. them? And for that, they need that a deployment will not be a project. It needs to mm -hmm. be a cookie cutter from the positive point of view of it that you can onboard a customer very easily. The service right. provider wants to have a solution that is their solution in their control. They want to build all the automation Okay, of the onboarding by themselves. They mm -hmm. want to add mm -hmm. technology by themselves and they want to build something, a service that from pricing perspective will be adequate for the SMB market or for the retail, by the way. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and for that, they need a lot of control of what services are being offered. They don't want a huge box with all these capabilities that require an eight core, uh, you know, hardware right. device. They want something yeah, nimble, two cores. Right. Two cores for mm -hmm. four gig memory, okay? Something like that that would be really mm -hmm. lean and mean and enable them to be at a low price point for the customer. So if I can use another analogy, this might be like you have your your jar of, of marbles and the marbles are the, the Fortune 1000 kind of companies. And you might be the, the pouring the sand in to fill up all the other space inside that jar of marbles to allow the service providers to do that, if that makes sense. Yes, uh, although as time goes by and we're adding more and more capabilities, uh, we see the solution, you know, we have like a, a examples actually of very big deployments that are- Sure, it can know, scale being, up as well. Take, yeah, right. that, are take, that are actually mm -hmm. moving very soon into production uh, mm -hmm. with hundreds of sites. Uh, but if I would look at what the service provider is looking for, Okay, in the in the indirect sales model through the large service providers, and there is a public one that uh, you can see a PR that they have done with Tele Telefonica. Okay, um, they actually say there in the PR that they have a focus on the SMB market, and that's something mm -hmm. that we hear from many many service providers. That's a gap. The sand that they want to fill in the jar. That's exactly the gap. Right. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so you mentioned Telefonica. Um, you know, I don't know how much you can uh, discuss this. Of course, maybe not by name or anything like that. But are, are you working toward sort of other similar, um, uh, you know, partnerships with with service providers? You're looking at uh, managed service providers, uh, maybe even systems integrators. What's um, uh, just give us a feel for how you uh, are see things developing over the coming months, if that makes okay. sense. Okay. So. The strategy that we have, and we've built a product for that, is mid-size MSPs. That's a strategy that we have, uh, and a large majority of those 1,500 accounts that I mentioned on our SaaS system are such mm -hmm. uh, companies, even if they don't call themselves MSPs, they still offer services uh, to their right, customers, right. IT services and networking and connectivity and business applications and stuff like that. So we see them as managed service providers. That's a strategic path that we have. And for that, the onboarding needs to be very easy. 
and so forth. It happened to be that several very big service providers uh, have reached out to us. And, you know, it always starts with somebody opening an account from a very big service provider without even right. speaking with us. You notice that quickly, yeah, you right? Know, you notice that. Yeah, get yeah we're yeah. getting, you know, we're getting five to eight new accounts a day on our SaaS system. Wow. And between 10 mm -hmm. to 20 leads a day. Okay, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they open an account, they start playing around, and then we start talking. And from there, you know, it's usually a very long process with these companies. Uh, so, you know, of from yeah. time to revenue perspective, uh, we see the MSPs usually as typically being able to move faster uh, from POC to production. You know, so I want I want to circle back to something um, that that is I think it's going to uh, have come up in a sense already, but just so that we can can be really explicit about it, um, I want to talk about security, just because you know that is uh, the hot topic now in terms of everyone's um, you know yeah. traditional SD WAN stack of everything. Most of the SD WAN providers out there have selected a particular partner, like you know Fortinet or Palo Alto or whatever the case may be. Um, for uh, I, I'm I'm going to avoid using the Gartner term since uh, even if we're small, we're, we're sort of a competitor of Gartner. But your your secure edge, if you will, mm -hmm. technology, right? Um, uh, how do you how are you thinking of that within the the Flexi WAN world and integrating security into a solution? In, in a way that's that's different than someone who has selected Fortinet or Palo Alto as a partner in inside their their curated stack. Yeah, so so our security uh, strategy actually uh, comprises three pillars, I would say. First one is uh, adding capabilities uh, natively into the system, mm -hmm. and I can tell you right off, it's not that we're looking to add tomorrow morning a full-featured firewall into the system. Uh, but there are some security elements that customers are asking us to add natively into the system. And these are things uh, that will be released uh, very soon. That's okay. the first thing. Yeah. That's the first mm -hmm. pillar. The second pillar mm -hmm. uh, that we have already implemented is through VNF integration. So that's similar to what you right. mentioned before, the strategy of some of the SD-WAN companies, they say, okay, we have a VNF of SD-WAN, a VNF of this and that firewall. Great. You have some kind of a manager on top, like, you know, like the names I mentioned before and, uh, and like Inia and others. And, and great. You have something that can manage these two VNFs to work in a service chain uh, architecture. So that's something that we actually have uh, such uh, deployments. And the third uh, pillar is through partnerships. And in this case, we can. Uh, there are various uh, security companies, very big and very small, that are mm -hmm. in various you know stages of discussions and work with us, in which we can actually uh, send the traffic to them and utilize on one hand a firewall in the cloud, uh, and on the other hand allow for uh, the enterprise not to send everything to the cloud. I think right. that one of the, you know, when you look at the, at the end of the day, SD-WAN and also the term that you didn't want to mention before, so I will not yeah, mention yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> the term that we all know, uh, they are terms, okay? They're not right. technology. Right. And although uh, you mentioned Gartner before, they do have some mm -hmm. definition for it. When you look at the actual sure. deployments of this, 
it's never the same one. Every company right. takes these terms. I call them, they are Swiss army knives, okay? So yeah, every company yeah. takes them to the direction they like. And I think actually that it's better to have it like that. I'm generally, I'm against standardizing a product or a service. Well, that, that fits your model very well, right? It's, I mean, it's kind of like zero trust. Zero trust isn't a technology. It's a bunch of different strategies that one might use, right? So, yeah. it's, you know, so, so yeah. there are companies have different requirements. And, but in the general uh, sense, I think that when you bundle everything together, you create a vendor lock-in. So mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. term that you mentioned for security plus SD-WAN, we see some of the solutions that they pride it for. You know, you have only one vendor to do everything. That's also a disadvantage that you have a single vendor that you need to take. You must. You don't have the flexibility. You must take right. from that vendor the SD-WAN, the security, the connectivity, okay, because and everything runs through the cloud. So it might fit some cases. It for sure will not fit everything. So, and that's a vendor lock-in, which I view as a problem, and it's a big problem for the service providers and also for the enterprises. So uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it's not a good um, solution. It is a good solution for some cases. Mm And using a technology like FlexiWan can allow you to add applications of security into the SD-WAN solution and, and have the security elements that you need and not necessarily what somebody else dictated for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, you know, problem I run into all the time uh, when talking to WAN managers is they say, well, we we had you know implemented this this SD WAN service or this security uh, po- posture, and then we you know our company bought uh, another company in, in the industry, and now I have you know one quarter of my network that has uh, this yeah. service, uh, this strategy, and it's completely uh, inoperable with with the rest of my network and trying to solve that problem. So it's, it sounds like your solution would would make that a lot more seamless in terms of integrating uh, yeah. you know new whole new segments of network. Yeah, I want to come back to what I said before because maybe it wasn't clear enough. I talked about the three pillars for security. So the first one I mentioned about right. us being us actually adding some capabilities to expand this a little bit. This can be through an app. this can also include third party elements that are running as applications. Mm. It's not necessarily right a technology that comes from us, it can be from someone else, although there are some elements that we are adding ourselves. And it's a general strategy that we have also for DPI, for example, we have some level of application recognition that is part of the product itself. It's not DPI based. And if somebody prefers to have DPI, that can be added as an application, but we don't dictate that you would use DPI. I see. You know, so we we touched earlier on pricing. I don't know if if and you, you suggested you might have sort of more to add there, and and just to to bring folks back that you know, like I said, most most SD WAN providers are looking at sort of the amount of encrypted throughput bandwidth. That's your primary right. sort of. Um, uh, h- how does your pricing model differ specifically? You mentioned, I think, before that it, you know it's available publicly on yeah. your site and you can just sign up for it. But what is the model itself, if not that traditional kind of um, encrypted throughput amount uh, plus plus features and, yeah. and install? So before we came out with our pricing, we just did a survey. We reached out. At that time, we had approximately 10,000 people in our database. Today, it's uh, close to 7,000. 
And mm-hmm. we reached out to them. That was the very end of 2019. And we asked them various questions. We didn't come with suggested pricing and ask them, do you think this is good or not? But we actually asked them, what do you think should be the pricing for various levels of quantities of, of edge devices? And what should be the business model? And one mm-hmm. of and, and also, what do you see as a problem with the existing models? Because many of them are using right. what we went from various vendors. The, one of the biggest so data, data-driven model. I love that, right? So you're here, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. The, one of the biggest complaints that repeated itself was we actually find it hard to understand what we are paying for and to understand the bill that we're getting from our mm. existing SDN vendor. So we need something that will be simple. And the other thing mm-hmm. was a complaint about the bandwidth base because it relates to the first comment because when you have it bandwidth base, many times you get a surprise. And the last thing that an enterprise wants is to have a surprise yeah. in their bill. So we decided to do something that would be very, very straightforward, simple uh, to understand and to predict. It's simply based on the number of edge devices you have concurrently in the system, in our management system, okay. in a mm-hmm. single month. So if you had during one month, oh, wow. maximum number of, I don't know, 20 mm-hmm. devices, you're paying based on the 20 devices and it's a tiered model that we have. So the price for the last uh, instance of the edge device, of course, goes down as the quantity increases. And we also have a model for our partners, for the service providers who are launching um, services. They have, you know, their discounts and everything. That's not something that we, you know, we, we close that in contracts with with our partners, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just gets me thinking, uh, just a, as a quick aside, another thing we've been talking a lot with WAN managers um, over the past few months, obviously, is is the idea that kind of remote work is here to stay. So that might um, sort of uh, metastasize the, the number of devices. Is is that something you guys have been thinking about? So so my my point being here that um, we've, we've talked to a lot of WAN managers that knowing re- that remote workers are here to stay, are thinking about onboarding sort of um, small SD-WAN-like devices and sending them to their employees. Um, I just wonder how that might look in your model and and if such a thing uh, might be facilitated by it. Yeah. So there are some things that we're doing right now uh, in the space of, let's call it remote workers. I'm not saying that we're doing exactly what you just mentioned. Uh, Mm -hmm. one of the issues of those devices that you send to employees is that it's not so scalable because of the cost of the hardware. Um, And also... That's exactly the problem they're looking at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's one part of it. And the other part is that you need to pay for more than one connection if you actually want to have redundancy. Uh, I actually have that at home, but uh, no, not not everybody wants to do that and to pay for two connections. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. you know, wired in a wireless or something like that. Um, so, but there are some things that we're doing with regards to remote workers. We do see increased interest in general in our solution uh, during these days of uh, you know tendency to work from home. Let's call it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Certainly, I've I've you know talked to like I said several win managers that even if it's just for you know the more uh, management C level kind of folks, they they have even done some centralized provisioning of of an additional line so that they can have you know active active connections for the folks that are really mission critical. So it's just some we're thinking about that that's out there and and seems like I think would fit pretty well with this model. 
Yeah. All right. So, so Mir, we've been talking now for a while, um, but before we wrap up, I, I just wanted to say, you know, we're, we're talking here in, in quarter four of, of 2020. This is going to come out uh, early in, in the start of the year. What are your plans for 2021? How do you see things as as a, a as I called you before, a serial entrepreneur, a, you know, startup facilitator? How do you think see things developing through uh, the next year um, with FlexiWan? So we see FlexiWan at let's call it an inflection point. We see 2021 uh, as an inflection point year um, that we have a very big database of uh, users or you know customers on our system who are POCing some of them actually in deployment. Uh, we have uh, you know uh, actual customers who are working today in deployment, but we have many many POCs going on, and we think that um, the f- coming few months, beginning of 2021, we're going to see a lot of those POCs moving into production with all the conversations we have we're having with customers. We're seeing the platform being expanded in the uh, application direction, enabling an easier way to load those applications into the system. And by that, really expand the capabilities of the system, which can dynamically be added to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. Yeah, well, we're, we're certainly looking forward to seeing that develop, um, uh, albeit uh, with some trepidation of our our research models and uh, some of our friends in the TEM industry. Right? Mm-hmm. So we started this podcast really as a reaction to uh, not being able to meet uh, with folks at conferences and um, and interact in the, the ways that we that we've been accustomed to. So we thought we would go with with digital content. But what I want to know is uh, what do you miss most about the pre pandemic world or or post vaccination and all that sort of thing? What are you most excited to get back to? Uh, doing in your life? Well, you know, on the there is a difference between the the business life and the personal life. On the business life, yeah, 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 I, yeah of course, I am, yeah. I am looking for more of the uh, personal touch. Uh, uh, you know, uh, of various events in the market, uh, being able to actually meet uh, people in this industry who actually became friends. Um, yeah, on the absolutely. personal life, uh, you know, more. Uh, uh, less closures and uh, <laughs> sending the kids yeah. back to school. That can be a great thing. <laughs> oh, I have uh, I have three elementary school age children who have been uh, almost entirely at home for the last uh, eight months. So believe me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, well, my, my smaller son is uh, seventh grade. And he said, you know, from his, his perspective, he said, I'm good with finishing the year this way. <laughs> He's enjoying it. <laughs> well, s- sleeping in isn't so bad. I'll, I'll give it that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Amir, it was a real pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time. And um, and there's definitely something I think uh, everybody listening uh, worth looking into and, and understanding better here. So uh, we appreciate um, the, the work you've done and, and explaining it to us. Thank you very much for the opportunity to present this uh, in this uh, podcast. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. 
If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day.